Hey everybody, this is Keach Rainwater with the Designated Drummer Podcast. Thanks for joining me. I hope everybody's having a good week. This week, I am going to talk a little bit about auditioning, the subject this week, auditioning. Um, that This can be really kind of a tough thing because if you're starting out, you're a musician that is starting out, a mus- musician, maybe a singer or something like that, but more, I guess importantly, a drummer, auditioning for bands that's something i know a little bit about because i had to do that back in the day i had to audition it can be nerve-wracking it can you don't know what to expect you don't know the usually don't know the people you're auditioning for sometimes you do um but it really helps to uh you'll you'll notice that when i uh i'm going to play some recordings from some of my friends that i reached out to to that you know to send me some of these little sound bites of either one of their experiences auditioning or advice or something like that and uh, I reached out to a couple of my friends and one of the things that they uh, mention in there is over preparing and I had Scotty Simpson on last week and we talked about auditioning and some of the things that he you know when he first came to town he auditioned for Pam Tillis and uh, some of the other acts that were here I can't remember exactly what they were but um, he went on some auditions and, you know, he did good. And I think that he learned a key thing that he said was kind of a trick that he that he would do. And besides over-preparing, we'll talk about over-preparing. He would learn all of their songs. And, and if there was a way that he could get a recording of their live show somehow, and I think he said he knew some people that... Uh, he could get a recording of their live show and really like learn the songs the way they do them. And not only just because sometimes when you audition, they will say, okay, here's the three songs that you need to learn for the audition. That's usually what you do. They, they give you a heads up of what material that you'll be covering. Now, that doesn't mean that you just have to learn those three songs and that's it. Don't stop there. Go in and maybe just learn everything you can about that artist. If it is an artist, you're, you know, uh, you're auditioning for if it's a band that's playing a certain genre or a certain uh, type of songs go in and learn all the songs you can learn them just like you're you've got the gig and you have to learn the songs and know them inside and out chances are when you go in there and you audition for this group uh i think scotty said that um he had auditioned for this this group and he went in there and he not only learned the three songs that they were supposed to do, but he learned them all. And he, towards the end of the audition, he would say, um, hey, you mind if we play this other song that you guys do? I'm really, it's one of my favorite songs. And play it. And that made the artist think like, oh, yeah, well, man, they really got this, man. This, you know, And he ended up getting the gig for that because he knew the stuff and he um, had a good attitude about it. But really, it's, you know, it's more than just playing there's a lot that goes into it there's the way you look the way you talk the way you act may you may be you know instead of being nervous you might want to be more relaxed about it uh, and i know that if you're going on your very first audition ever you're probably not going to be very relaxed you're going to be in anything but but you know what you have to do that you have to take your first one and then you have to go on a second one and you have to keep on doing it um and audition um uh you know and when I was in Canyon, I was lucky enough to have gotten that gig because I knew somebody that knew me, and they said, he's the guy that we need. And I was lucky enough to get that gig without an audition. I didn't have to audition. 
Um, so a lot of times uh, you can be lucky like that, and you can, uh, like, like Rich Redman will say in a little bit, I've got a uh, sound recording from him. Uh, he's talking about sometimes it's who you know and, you know, just um, just networking and knowing people and that kind of thing. But a lot of times um, auditioning, it's, it's very necessary. You have to be in the style that they're looking for. I think that's important. So if you're sort of like a heavy metal drummer, you don't want to go audition for a jazz band. Of course, if you if you do, if you can play jazz and, and you want that gig, then go for it. But I'm just saying, um, you know, it helps to... Now, um, here's a little recording that Keo Stroud sent me. And it's very interesting because Keo Stroud's a great drummer. He played with Big and Rich and and all these other a lot of other acts. So many I can't even I can't even mention. Great drummer, and he was telling me a story about he had gotten a call from Rodney Crowell, uh, the artist, and said they were looking for a drummer. And he was way it was way up north somewhere out west or something like that, and he had to fly in and prepare as best as he could. But really, I think it was in that case, it was just he was just a cool guy and he was a great drummer and the feel. And I think at that point, maybe Rodney Crowell was looking for the right feel and not necessarily somebody that knew every single song that Rodney Crowell did. It was more of a feel. So here's here's what um, Keo had to say. So it's 2004 and I'm in San Francisco and I get a phone call from uh, Rodney Crowell and it says, hey man, can you uh, come audition for the gig? And I was like, absolutely, like, when's the audition? It's like, tomorrow afternoon. I was like, uh-oh. Well, I'm in San Francisco on another gig and I gotta change my flight to get to the audition, which is the SR in Nashville. All right, well, let's see what happens. So I go to call a little Southwest there and I change my flight, which is different from the band flight, which I couldn't tell anybody I was, I was doing that. So I changed it and said I had to get home for, like, a family thing. I fly. I get to the airport. Realize I don't have any of his music because he never sent any of the music. So I get on iTunes and I download a couple, like, the Essentials, Rodney Crowell. I listen to it on a plane ride. I land in Nashville. I get in my car. I put my good shirt on. I go to SLR. And he's listening to a drummer. And there's a bunch of a lot of guys coming out, outside the audition. The guy finishes, and then he's like, uh, hey, Keo. So I go in, and he says to me, do you know any of my songs? And I said, no. <laughs> and he goes, well, can you follow directions? I said, yes. He goes, well, this song goes like this. He goes, I want you to lay back in the, in the verses, and I want you to push the chorus. And I was like, okay. So we do this thing, and I play side stick, and we play it, and we play verse in the chorus. And I was like, okay, cool. It was a song called Song Game Control Again. So I was like, all right, okay. He hated that because we only played a verse and chorus. The next song, he was like, okay, man, on this one, I want you to play like a hi-hat thing and then play some toms. So we play a verse and a chorus of that. And he goes, all right, okay, okay, all right. So then he stops me and he goes, all right, so this next thing we're going to play is real straight ahead, very straight ahead situation. And so I want you just to, you know, just I'm gonna count it off and use rock with me. So we play the intro, verse, and chorus of "Ain't Leave Me Alone" like this, and he stops me and he goes, "Okay, all right, I've heard enough." And I was like, "Ah, okay, I guess that didn't go well." He goes, "You got the gig. You want the gig?" I was like, "Yeah, I want the gig." So he literally 
walks outside and tells the other guys, hey guys, I found my drummer. Sorry to waste your time. Have a good day. Comes back in, gives me a box of CDs and says, I have no set list. Gigs in two days. See you at the airport. Hands me a box of CDs and half the CDs aren't in there. So I have to go to Tower Music at that time and scramble to find the CDs. I make charts for everything. And that's how I got the Rodney Crowell gig. <laughs> By the way, this is Keo. <laughs> so there you go. So yeah, that was uh, Keo. He's such a cool guy. He was on my podcast a while back. If um, you get a chance, to look on uh, Designated Drummer Podcast and look on some of the past episodes and see if you can find Keo Stroud. He's a great guy. Very, very cool dude. And uh, yeah, so I was um, really sh- amazed and shocked that he was able to just walk into that situation or literally fly into that situation and get the gig just based on his playing, you know? I mean, he's that that's a true testament to his playing right there is that, you know, he was able to walk in there and not really... Now, I was a little confused. Now, he said he learned some of the songs in, in the beginning, but then he walked in and told Rodney Crowell that he didn't know any of the songs. So maybe that was a little bit of it, you know? Maybe he... He did know some of the songs and just said that he didn't, and he was able to just fit in there and do it. Um, or I'm not sure if he really didn't know the songs and went in there and or didn't know the songs that they were pulling out of the hat. You know, who knows? Um, anyway, he's a cool guy, and uh, if you get a chance to check out that podcast, um, it's, a, it's a good one. Now, last week I had on Scotty Simpson, and he was talking about auditioning and, of course, being overprepared and all that and learning all this, every detail of the music that you possibly can. Uh, so you don't go in there and they don't throw you for a loop. You don't get thrown for a loop. You you know, if they say, hey, let's try this song. Well, if you learned all their songs, not just the three or so that they told you to learn, but uh, more than that, you know, they may throw something at you. Let's try this. I want to try and see how you do on this song. And then, uh, or like Scotty was saying, uh, you know, at the end of the audition to say, hey, man, if, if you don't mind, can we play this song? I really, this is one of my favorites, just for fun, you know? And you do that, and in their mind, they're thinking like, well, this guy really is, he's sharp, man. He knows a lot of our stuff. We're not going to have to really work him in as much as we thought. He may already know everything, you know? So that's that's a huge plus. Less rehearsal time, and you just walk into that gig, and, you know, you, you know all the stuff already. And in his case, I believe he said he had, uh, he had known somebody that had... Uh, a tape of or a recording of their live show. Oh, I know what he said. He said that he looked on YouTube and he found a live, and I think this might have been for the, I'm not sure if it's the Oak Ridge Boys or who it was, found a live concert of theirs and he recorded the whole entire live concert and learned it the way they do the songs, the same temp, you know, the same feel and all the same endings and everything. So he knew their whole show. Huge plus. If you can walk into there, then let them know that you you know you're gonna have to do a whole lot of rehearsing or whatever to uh, to to work that person in. That's a huge plus. But he also talked about being looking sharp and being a cool guy and and just walking in there and being friendly to everybody and just you know just being relaxed and and just being a cool guy. Here's what he had to say. I went in there like I was auditioning for Garth Brooks. I mean, I knew my material. I uh, 
didn't need charts. You yeah. know, I. Uh, you probably looked good too. You, you I know, looked good. I was personable. Too. I went dressed to impress. I shook hands with everybody that I was playing with, and I said, "I'm so thankful to be playing with you guys. Yeah. I'm honored to be playing with you, and I'm going to do my best." So yeah, um, Scotty Simpson, man, if you get a chance to check out the the podcast with with him on it, the Designated Drummer Podcast with Scotty Simpson, great guy. He used to play with Travis Tritt for a long time, and he's playing with the Oak Ridge Boys right now. And uh, boy, you know, he's just been playing for so long and he played in a lot of the same clubs and bands around the Dallas Fort Worth area that Michael and Dean and myself and a lot of us did in those same clubs and we kind of came up in the same at the same era you know in the 80s and the 90s and uh, if you get a chance to check out that podcast please do because he's a cool guy and he's a good friend and um, you know if you ever get a chance to go out and see the Oak Ridge Boys, Scotty will be playing bass with them. And uh, so anyway, I want to move on to talk about some of my past experiences with auditions that didn't go so well. When I was just starting out, this was in the 80s. I think this would have been about um, 84, 83 or 84, something like that. Um, I was going to audition for this band. There was a band that I knew the bass player. That's all I knew. I just knew one guy in the band. And he said, hey, you know, we're going to be looking for a drummer. Our drummer's leaving. Um, I'd like to see if you want to come audition, you know. Here's here's the telephone number. Back then, we didn't have cell phones, of course. He said, here's the number. Just call, and we'll, we're having auditions, and we'll set you up with the time and all that. So I had a short conversation with their singer of that band. This was just a Dallas. They, they were just a club band, and they played a lot of pop music. You know, Huey, Huey Lewis, and uh, they played some Police songs and it was just kind of a variety of pop songs and they gave me a list of some songs that I needed to learn so I went and I I learned them pretty good but I was I think I don't know what it was about that audition I think I was just intimidated by that and I was really kind of a country drummer and I was going to go into this situation where it was more than country music it was going to be a challenge a lot of the these pop songs that were playing so I learned the songs and that kind of thing. And I went in. The mistake I made was I did not, my kit at the time, I just didn't have it together yet. I had it good enough for a country band kind of thing, very simple. But um, one of the songs they had in this in their set had a timbali in it. And um, I didn't have a timbali. So what I did, a timbali is kind of like a snare drum without the snare on the bottom. It's that real high, kind of ringy uh high drum sound uh kind of uh synonymous with reggae music and um so anyway i took a snare drum and i took the head off the bottom and i tried to sort of mount it on this stand and i didn't really think it out that well i just thought oh it'll be fine i'll just mount it on here with a little screw and put that bolt on there and that nut and it should be fine and i really just i was fooling myself i, I didn't i didn't have a good enough kit for that gig and i when i showed up to the audition i was nervous and i set that thing up and they were looking at that timbali kind of like they were looking at it with disdain they were kind of like what is that thing he's putting on that cymbal stand it's a drum that should be a cymbal on there but that's a drum he's putting on there and i think they were kind of questioning that that drum that that situation and uh and sure enough, you know, I played the audition, and it it was okay. It was all right. I was just really nervous, and I blew it, man. I'll tell you, I 
I was it was not my best playing and not my best thing. And I just kind of went in there feeling like I wasn't going to get that gig from the very beginning. I was just intimidated, and I shouldn't have been. I shouldn't have been because I could have done that gig so easy. I was a good enough drummer to play those type of songs, but I just didn't. I, I was. Um, I just had a negative outlook on it. I just didn't think I was ready for it. And they chose somebody else. They didn't. They did not choose me. And uh, so I learned a valuable lesson there about over preparing, and another lesson about your drum kit. Because when and and the lesson I learned more than anything from that audition, that failed audition, was that that they they meaning the per, the people that are probably going to hire you they are not looking so much at your your playing your skill and all that they know you're a good drummer and maybe you are a great drummer they're looking at your drum kit and what is this kit going to look like on our stage you know this is our band if it's a trashy looking kit or if it's an old kit that just looks the cymbals are tarnished and the drum heads are old and it looks like some guy that just plays on the weekend and he's not really that serious about it a really serious drummer would have probably a really nice you know uh, high-end Yamaha or Gretsch or whatever kit with new heads fresh heads on there cymbals are all shiny and fairly new and just go in there and play your butt off with this really good looking kit, because they're going to judge your kit as well as judging you, uh, your playing and your attitude and your look. And, you know, so you got to go in there and you, you got to dress to impress. You got to be nice. You got to, you know, just small talk doesn't hurt, you know, but just get down to business and do a good audition and don't waste their time and get in there. And um, if they do have a little extra time, just, you know, ask them and say, hey, you can play this song and. Um, this is one of my favorite songs, and I think I play it well, so whatever. Um, but just go in there with confidence and with style and and just uh, show them that you're the great drummer that they need, and you'll probably get it. Um, but in a lot of cases, like I said, when I auditioned um, for some bands, I made it, some I didn't. Um, there was band, the first band that I auditioned for, was in Dallas called the Doc Apple Band. And I, again, I knew the bass player. I knew somebody. And he stuck his neck out for me. Thank God. Danny Herod is his name. And um, I knew him in school. And he knew I was the right drummer for that job because I was kind of the same age as everybody. And I grew up with them in Plano, Texas. And he just felt like I was a good fit. But my problem was is that I was green, what they call green. I had not ever played in a professional band before. And he stuck his neck out for me. Danny said, he's the guy. I know he is. I'll vouch for him. I know he can do it. And they were saying, well, what? who has he played with before? And he said, well, I don't think that matters at this point. I know he's a good drummer, and I know he'll do the job good. I know him. He's a good friend of mine, and I know he's the guy. And he really stuck his neck out. And so it was up to me. And they did actually audition me because they promised a couple of other drummers that they could audition and they weren't sure about me exactly, but I went in there and I played. I listened to the songs that they had given me to play, and I learned them, and I, I went in there. I wasn't intimidated or anything I just because I knew Danny. I knew him, and he um, had told me that, you know, he told them that I was the guy. So anyway, I ended up getting that gig, and they liked the way I played. I had a lot of learning to do still, but they you know, they moved me along and they accepted me and I learned 
the songs really well, and we rehearsed a lot, and I was the guy, you know, and I was in that band for not a long time. It wasn't a long-run band. The Doc Apple Band was the name of that band in Plano, out of Plano, and uh, we played a lot of the show clubs around Dallas and that kind of thing. I think I was in that band for maybe four months, four or five months maybe, and then we disbanded, and that's when my whole journey of starting to go on auditions and trying out for bands and networking and stuff like that. And that brings up another good point about how you can get some good auditions. And I think um, Rich Redman had some good things to say about that, about networking and about just being in the right place at the right time and um, just going out there and and just being a great guy and learning learning material and learning albums and that kind of thing. And um, I'll, I'll just go ahead and play the clip that he sent me. And this is Rich Redman. What's up, man? Yep, I'm at, on the way to another airport. Um, but uh, thoughts on auditioning? Yes, auditioning is has been a mainstay of the entertainment business. But in my opinion, it seems like it's happening less and less. Musicians are being hired based on relationships, so you can't know enough people, and enough people can't know you. And all those people have to be able to trust you and like you and champion you. But my move to Nashville was initiated by auditioning for Trisha Yearwood, Dina Carter, and Barbara Mandrell. And the key to auditioning is over-preparation. Even if they want you to only learn five songs, of course know those five songs inside and out. But for all those artists, I learned their entire catalog. I was over-prepared. So over-preparation is the key to all those things. I did a great job preparing for those auditions. I had a great experience, but didn't get those jobs. But those people will remember you down the line and maybe that relationship that you will establish will manifest its way in your life in another way it could be years down the line an audition that did work out for me was with pam tillis and the reason why that worked out was because the drummer that was leaving greased the wheels and told her manager that i was the right choice so i was still over prepared had a great experience at the audition, but the drummer that was leaving said, go ahead and hire me um, because I could take direction. I know what the, I would know the material. I was versatile. Um, and that worked out for me. And that was my big marquee, first marquee job in Nashville. Now, my job with Jason Aldean um, was more of just a formality. It wasn't a traditional audition. It was like, learn these five songs and let's see if we get along personally and professionally. And it did work out, and, and it's a jo- job that has lasted for 25 years. So the key to everything is to over-prepare and then have fun. And then when you're done with the audition, just go about your life and let the audition gods uh, <laughs> work their magic. And if it doesn't work out, just keep your head up and walk forward to that next opportunity. So yeah, man, Rich Redman. Thank you so much, Rich. Um, I think he was, like he said, on the way in the car, on the way to the airport or something like that. You know, we drummers, we musicians, we have a busy life and uh, it's a lot of flying and a lot of uh, busing and that kind of thing. But that's, we love it, man. We just, we love getting out there and making our music and entertaining people and all that's what it's all about. Um, But back to the auditions. Okay. Um, So I wanted to uh, pass along a few tips that I have Uh, that I would teach some of my students along the way about auditioning and some things like that, that I think that 
would maybe help you or give you an edge. Now, assuming that you've already prepared and you already know the material, you've learned the songs, you know them inside and out. So when you go in there, you count loudly um, because that's what they're going to want. And you're uh, you play with with a good stamina and you play with a lot of power, and uh, you you give them the kind of drummer that they want. And you know it's funny that. Rich Redmond mentioned the audition gods, you know, and I like the way he said that because it's true. The audition gods are looking down on us, and he's giving us the gigs that we deserve, and he's not passing the ones that we don't, that we wouldn't be good in, you know, so it just seems to fit. If you go on an audition and you're not the right fit, then they're probably not going to choose you, you know, and you can't let that get to you. You just have to go on and the more auditions you do, the better at it you get, you know, it's a, it's a muscle like anything. So you got to flex your audition muscles. You got to work those out. You got to go on a lot of auditions if you need to, uh, you know, if you're, um, know some people and you've networked around, you got to find out where, who's auditioning and who's looking for a drummer and all that. That's the first thing is getting on that list, getting the knowledge that somebody is looking for a drummer. And then you just kind of throw it out there. Hey, can I audition? When, when are the auditions? Give me a chance. And, um, that's when you start to over-prepare and that kind of thing. And with every single audition, you go in and you study like you're studying for an exam but I mean, you don't have to get nervous about it, but just go in there, learn the material, be relaxed about it, listen to it again, give yourself enough time to learn the stuff and just go in there and be cool and just, you know, just, you know, be, be a nice person. And, uh, because they're going to judge you knowing that they're going to be on the road with you probably. And they're going to want to know if you're a cool guy or not, if you're a cool guy or girl or whatever. And you're good. You're a good hang is what they call a good hang and that you're um, going to be able to get along. You don't want to go in there and be kind of an uptight jerk because they're not going to want to live with that out on the road. They want somebody that's cool and that, you know, conversational and that's helpful and that can that can serve the gig, that can serve the song and go out there and entertain and give the audience what they want. And, and most of all, as a drummer, to drive that band, to, to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for the solution. They're looking for the perfect drummer for that gig that they don't ever have to look back there and worry about, is he going to count off the wrong song or is he going to play too fast or whatever? You have to figure out what that gig is and you got to get down to business. And so one of the tips that I came up with for a young drummer, let's say you're a young drummer, Uh, and you're starting out, and you're going on auditions and stuff like that. Obviously, like I mentioned, you have to have a good kit. You have to have a nice set of drums, good cymbals, fresh heads, that kind of thing, because they're going to judge. Believe me, they will judge. They want to know what's going to be sitting on their stage. Because when you think about it, when you're sitting out in the audience, you're an audience member, and you're looking up on stage before the band ever comes out, you see microphone stands and you may see a keyboard or something like that, or you may see some things. But once the one thing that you can look at and sort of judge what that band, or or at least guess what that band's going to sound like, you don't really know. But when you look at that drum kit, you're kind of, you're kind of studying it. You, the audience is kind of studying like, wow, okay. It's got all those drums or it's just a simple kit or whatever it is you got going on. They're going to look at that and they're going to think anticipation. They're going to think like, wow, I can't wait to hear what, what this band sounds like. You know, look at those drums. Those are so cool. Um, 
So you want to have a nice kit, nice clean kit, because the audition, the auditioner, the, the the band that's that's listening to you, that's judging you, is going to judge your kit just as much as they're going to judge you. And that's assuming that at this audition that you're playing your kit. Now, sometimes they will have a drummer will bring in and set up their kit, and then other drummers will use that same kit or the band will say, Hey, is it okay if the other drummers use your kit to audition with? We got about five or six coming in. And if you're that person, you definitely want to say yes. You don't want to be snobby and go, no, I don't want them playing on my drums. So you, you say, okay. And here's the cool thing is, uh, I remember going on an audition in Dallas where the, the, the drummer that brought the kit got the gig. He got the gig because it was his kit. He kind of had more sort of on the ball because it was his kit. So when he played, it was he was comfortable and he looked comfortable and he sounded comfortable. He sounded good. Those are his drums. He, and then everybody else that played his drums had to kind of figure out how to make it sound good. You know, like it's like driving somebody else's car. You got to adjust the seat and you got to move the steering wheel down and all that stuff. Well you know, um, another drummer's kit may not be as comfortable as yours. And so you're going to probably look and sound uncomfortable too. So if you get a chance, try and make sure that you're playing your kit and it's an awesome kit and it sounds good and it's tuned well and all that, because you're going to want them to know what you sound like on your kit. And here's the, here's one of the tips I came up with for a young drummer starting out that might give you a little bit of an edge. And that is cases. Have some cases for your drums. And I say this because when I first started out, I did not have cases for my drums. I just had my drums. And I I wasn't in a band or I wasn't traveling or anything like that. I would literally just load the drums into my car, get to wherever band I was jamming with or whatever, you know, uh, little jam bands in someone's garage or whatever. And I would set the drums up and then I would just load them back in my car. And um, I had no cases. But I still did get the gig. But here's my tip. Get some road cases, get, you know, bar some money, whatever you have to do, get some road cases and stencil your name across those every single case. When you show up and you unload your drums and you set them up, uh, number one, they're going to see your nice drums and they're going to look at your cases and see that your name is on the case. They're going to go, oh, well, wow, he's kind of got it together or she or whoever. They've got it together. I see their name. And also... Uh, say if there were a lot of drummers auditioning, say if there were six or seven or eight drummers and it was a cattle call and whatever, looking at your cases with your name on them, they're probably going to remember your name because they're going to go, hey, who was that third drummer that had his name on the case? Uh, yeah, Jim Smith. Yeah, oh yeah, that Jim, because I remember his name. Um, it just kind of gives you a little bit of an edge and every little bit of an edge can help you a lot. Um uh, also, another thing is practice, especially these days. A lot of people are using click track. If you go into a situation where you have not really gotten used to playing with a click track yet, that's going to work against you because a lot of acts now use click track, even live on stage. They will use click track because they have video screens or they have other uh, th- uh, things going on, you know, um, tracks or whatever's going on uh, to supplement the music, and, or they just want the songs to be 100% consistent tempo wise. So, um, everybody's in tune, they play in tune and you play in time. So everything's just like the record. Let's say that's what the artist wants. like the record, then you have to learn how to play to a click track, no matter what the click track is. And in a lot of cases, I've gotten some 
really tough sounding click tracks that for like it's a ballad and it's real slow and the click track it doesn't have a lot of subdivisions in it and it's just like kind of hard to follow you have to really be good at following that um that click track and so getting good at that that's a skill that you need to acquire especially in today's um you know live environment there's you're expected to now, not every single gig is the same. That you, that some don't use click tracks. Some hate it. Some don't like it. Some of the newer kind of cool hip bands uh, or whatever that are coming out don't use it. And back in the day, in the 70s and 80s, not a lot of people used click track live, you know. And the music had expression and it had feel. But you as a drummer, you didn't want to be that drummer that just sped up constantly, you know. That like, oh, he plays everything so fast. And believe me, I've been in bands before where you know I, of course i got the gig and we're playing and over time songs will speed up a little more and a little more and a little more to where finally they get to where they feel comfortable and you're playing them every night and you go back and listen to the original and you're nowhere near the original tempo and the songs have just gotten faster and faster and faster and that happens and i've seen bands play live that play songs way too fast and it's it's just not you know i think that the audience really wants to listen to music that's pretty close to the record they don't want to listen to something that's sped up too fast so you got to learn how to play to a click track so that that's a good um you know example of l- learning your craft and being prepared for an audition because maybe the audition maybe they have a click track they want to listen to uh, maybe they don't but i think at some point you're going to be expected to you know play to a click track Another thing you can do that, that, you know, might kind of make an impression is introduce yourself in case if they don't know who you are, introduce yourself around, be kind, be good to everybody, have a smile, and also remember everybody's name. Now, I know that's, it's always been hard for me because I've traveled a lot and I've met a lot of people and my mind tends to forget somebody's name as soon as they say it, you know, because I just, it's hard for me to remember everybody's name. But if I make myself do it, I can actually do pretty well and remember everybody's name. So if you uh, get there and you're on your best game, you remember everybody's name, you introduce yourself, um, you have a great looking kit, you are prepared with the songs and, uh, you know, maybe even over-prepared, like have a couple of extra songs that they didn't ask you to learn, but you learned anyway. And you go in there and say, hey, can we jam on, is it okay if we play this song? It's one of my favorites. And uh, that kind of thing. And, you know, maybe just ask ask pertinent questions like, uh, um, you know, what's the touring been like? Or, or uh, do you guys record in the studio very often? What studio do you use? What do you like? You know, just like industry technical questions like that usually are pretty good. I wouldn't go overboard with it, but at least, you know, talk to them like you're curious about uh, what's going on with the band. Um, and, you know, if you get a chance to uh, just hang out a little while and watch some of the other drummers, that's cool. You know, it gives you a feel for what's out there. And, uh, you know, just be, be your best self that you could possibly be. Dress nice, um, you know, talk nice to people, smile, that kind of thing. It's going to go a long way, I promise you. Um, the, the whole auditioning thing can be a little unnerving, and it can be, you know, intimidating, you know, if you're new to it or whatever. But uh, you get better at it the more you do it. And uh, like I was saying earlier, the more people you know 
at least you know who's auditioning. And if you know somebody in the band, they might be able to get you in and that kind of thing. Now, here's a couple of tips of ways that you can just if you're, you know, if you hate auditioning and you just don't want to audition, there really are ways you can get around not auditioning. And uh, and I'll just run across these real quick that I kind of came up with. Um, uh, if you put the band together yourself, you put the band together yourself. It's your band. You hold auditions for bass players, guitar players or whatever. You don't have to audition. You're not, you're not in the hot seat. You put the band together. So um, that's one way to do it. Um, another way is to um, get with like-minded friends that say, hey, let's put a band together. You're not going to have to audition for that. You know, they probably already know that you can play or that you play or whatever. It's just a matter of working things out and finding the songs that showcase what you guys do, or you girls, whatever, whoever, do the best. And you form a band and you rehearse and you work and that kind of thing. Now, there you may have to audition for, like, say, a club or something like that. And that would be where, you know, they don't sort of expect you to know certain songs, but it's a club or something like that. And you're going to go and audition as a group. And the same rules apply. You want to be nice. You want to remember their name. You want to have great equipment, good sound, good beginnings, good endings. Just, you know, you just have to put on the best version of yourself that you possibly can. And chances are they're going to be impressed with what they see and they hear. And you're going to get the the gig or whatever it is you're after, the job. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a great feeling when you, when you get that gig and they call you, get the call back and they say, Hey, yeah, well, you got the gig, man. Um, we start rehearsing, uh, next Friday. And, um, another thing about that kind of stuff is, um, be early, be plenty early. You don't want to be the person that comes in late to an audition or late to a rehearsal or whatever. And uh, as Paul Lyme said on an earlier podcast, if you're not early, you're late. And being, especially being a drummer where you have some things to set up or whatever. And I've just had that philosophy for a long time. When I was in Canyon, I was kind of like the late guy for a while. You know, I didn't get it quite yet. I wasn't that much of a pro yet. I got the gig, but I didn't quite get that I should be early all the time. I was always, you know, kind of like, well, they said we're leaving at seven, so I'll just get there at seven. Well, what if the elevator's stuck or you're, you know, you're, you're just running behind for some reason, then it's after seven. Now you're late, you know, so always be the one that is there early. And we've learned, you know, over, you know, in Lone Star, we've learned over so many years that, um, you know, being on time is so important and being punctual and just doing our job the, be- the best way we can, especially if you're doing important stuff like radio and, um, you know, that kind of thing. So we've always strove to um, be on time. And we are, as Lone Star, we're always the best version of ourselves. I think. We hopefully not have any bad days. Or if you do have a bad day, no one would know it. You know, we've learned how to keep that to ourselves and um, just keep the best version of ourselves together. And uh, we've been able to keep our band together for so long. And speaking of which, we have had, over the years, we've had 10 number one songs over the years. We've had a bunch of top tens and that kind of thing. But we went in this last, uh, well, actually, actually just in the last year or so, we've gone in and re-recorded all of our 10 number one songs that we had. You know, like I'm Already There and Amazed and Mr. Mom and What About Now and all those 10 of them, 10 number one songs is enough for an album. So we went in and recorded a brand new album called 10 to 1. And the 
So the the idea behind the 10 to 1 name is that we've had 10 number one songs that went to number one. So 10 to 1. 10 songs that went to number one. So the name of the album is 10 to 1. It's going to be coming out June the 3rd, I think. I have to check on that, but I think it's June, early June. It'll be like June the 3rd or something like that, I believe, is the date. Um, so it'll be like... Um, the brand new album coming out. And I think we may even have a limited run on vinyl, which is really cool. I'm super excited about that. We're going to have a little bit of vinyl out there. Um, but definitely check it out. It's all of our 10 number one songs re-recorded and re sort of, we like to say reimagined. So I hope you get a chance to go out and listen to that. And we're releasing out on, uh, the internet right now on, I guess, Spotify and all the social media, streaming outlets we're releasing i believe tomorrow is going to be uh the release of amazed the re-recording of amazed and uh that we went like i said back in the studio and re-recorded everything it's a fresh sound it's the same song but a fresh sound and i hope everybody listens to that and looks it up and enjoys it and um but yeah um auditioning back to that um i think that um that's about all I have to say about auditioning, but I hope that you'll, uh, next time you, if you're a young musician and you're trying to make it in the world as a musician, hopefully you will take some of these tips to heart and go and nail that next audition and go and be relaxed and fun and happy and, uh, well-prepared and looking good and sounding good. And you'll get that audition. If you follow all those things, like I said, I cannot imagine an artist not wanting to to hire you as their drummer or bass player or whoever. Uh, so practice hard, learn the songs, get out there, go nail that audition, and um, best of luck to you guys. And hopefully you'll tune in again on Designated Drummer. This has been Keach Rainwater. We'll see you next time.